Season 1, Episode 7, Kiss and Tell. It's Autumn Festival in Stars Hollow, but that's not the most exciting thing happening in town. Rory and Dean have their first kiss, and Lorelai is the last to hear about it. Is this the beginning of our dynamic trio? We'll just have to wait and see. Welcome to Stars Hollow. I'm your host, Rachel Foss. With me today is a very special guest. This is the first time I have a guest that I do not know in real life. He is a friend of a friend, or should I say the fiance of a friend now. I have with me today author and writer Ira Feinstein. Hi, nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Yeah, congratulations on your recent engagement. That was so exciting. Thank you. Um, Ira is engaged to my friend Anita, who I've known for a long time, even if I don't see her very often. Ira is also coming out with some books in the notable future. You can check out irafeinstein.com. That's I-R-A-F-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. He writes books about health and gender identity, and I am very excited to have him as my guest today. I'm very excited to be here. So Ira, what is your relationship to Gilmore Girls? I didn't know that the Gilmore Girls existed until 2014 when I came home from work and my girlfriend at the time was watching a TV show and she had the most guilty look on her face that I've ever seen. <laughs> guilty. I was embarrassed by watching the show, but I sat down and I got sucked in. What? Why would, why would she be guilty about watching Gilmore Girls? I think because at the time, you know, it was like Breaking Bad and The Americans and, you know, shows that have more grit and darkness and stuff like that was happening. And so the Gilmore Girls being so light, and not that it has no heft, but it's it doesn't leave you feeling down. I think she was a little embarrassed. Kindness and simplicity of it in certain ways. So she was ashamed of uh, revealing that not all her sides were dark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you well, sat down and saw it and started watching it or liked it a little bit? I liked it right away. I, with the banter, it is unusual to have that so much wittiness mm -hmm. in one show. Just to have conversations really drive the scene is, is pretty impressive. The actors are really great. I agree. So have you watched all of Gilmore Girls? or Every Gilmore Girls episode, including when they did the extra ones. Fantastic. Extra ones. So is it a show that you watch a lot? or was coming uh, on this podcast kind of like throwback for you? Yes, I hadn't watched it since I first watched them. And so Anita and I watched... And then we felt as if we needed to go back because if you just watch the one we're about to talk about, it's a little more disarming than if you have a remember what happens to build up to her. So I was glad that I did that. Otherwise, things would have been a little more out of context and maybe more upsetting. Two episodes ago, my friend Jillian was a guest and she's never seen Gilmore Girls and she just watched the one episode and it was it was actually pretty funny because she does not like it. She has no desire to watch anymore, but yeah. that made it extra funny because she had no idea who these people were. She had no idea what was going on. That's why I like having different people because everyone is coming in with a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for being my guest. Are you ready to get started? Let's start. Let's do it. So this is season one, episode seven, Kiss and Tell, written by both Amy Sherman Palladino and Genji Cohan, who's also producer. This episode aired on November 16th, 2000. 
Now, this episode opens up to what I would think is the perfect version of Stars Hollow. Autumn is in full swing. There's pumpkins everywhere. I know a lot of people feel this way about Gilmore Girls, that it has just like this autumnal feel to it, even during episodes that take place in the summer. And that's why I love the fall episodes, because it's really kind of like, this is how I feel about Stars Hollow. Rory and Lorelai are coming in discussing laundry, and we find out that Lorelai is going commando. And I get it. Personally, I also hate doing laundry because it takes a really long time. I'm very, very particular about my laundry. But that being said, I absolutely cannot go commando. That freaks me out. It's just like a security thing for me. I don't know you very well, Ira, so I won't press you on whether or not you're going commando right now. It's okay. I do not. Well, despite going commando, this is another slam and fall outfit from Lorelai. The brown mock turtleneck with a tan leather skirt. Love it. They walk off screen and we see some youngins twirling into view wearing pilgrim costumes. And in the back, we can see some pretty stereotypically racist Native American costumes. And then kids dressed up as pumpkins and corn. So we kind of get the feeling this is probably right before Thanksgiving or they're getting ready for some kind of festival. And then (laughs) Miss Patty comes in and she's looking for her leaves. Where are my leaves? The music that the kids in Miss Patty's production are dancing to is Autumn Concerto Number 3 in F Major from the Ballo e Canto di Villanelli. It's from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. We actually played that in high school band. So it was kind of cool to kind of give that little call. Yeah, that was like a nice little throwback for me. Yeah. The only thing I did in band was squeak. (laughs) What did you play in band? The bass clarinet. Nice. Because the clarinet, I squeaked too much, so I had to go down to a whole new. Oh, gotcha. I played the trumpet because apparently I had a big mouth for it, or so it was explained to me. Impressive. Is this the moment where I should go into a Thanksgiving rant or should I wait or save that? Because I don't that celebrate Thanksgiving. I hate Thanksgiving because here's where my notes are. So Ira, you're going to get my Thanksgiving rant. I have a lot of feelings about Thanksgiving and I know Thanksgiving for people is getting beers with family and watching football and eating a lot, getting together with loved ones. I get that. I'm not shitting on people's desire to have a nice date and dinner together. What I am shitting on is the fact that we pretend that Thanksgiving was this beautiful, heartfelt moment between the Native people of the Americas and the newly settled pilgrims who literally took everything they could from the Native people and then later murdered them. That's my issue. So celebrate Thanksgiving however you want, but please just remember everyone this Thanksgiving. Remember that this is a colonized holiday and try to think of the people who lived here first and enjoy your pie. (laughs) Okay, rant over. In season three, Luke actually kind of comes through for me. I don't know if you remember this episode. It's the Thanksgiving episode where they have like four Thanksgivings. And Luke says, what should we be thankful for? I don't know that we're not Native Americans having our land stolen in replacement of smallpox infested blankets. Yes, you can count on Luke (laughs) for that kind of perspective. Exactly. That's why I love Luke so much. And speaking of Luke... Rory and Lorelai walk into Luke's hoping for coffee and muffins and everybody, yes, it's Taylor Dosey. This is the first episode where we get to see and meet Taylor Dosey. 
Even though we've been to Dosi's Market several times, this is the first time we get to meet the character. Taylor Dosi is played by Michael Winters. Michael is a classically trained actor and has been on Broadway and theater, has a long acting history, but of course, we all know him best as the famous Stars Hollow Town Magistrate. Taylor is trying to talk Luke into decorating for Thanksgiving and for the Autumn Festival coming up. Luke says the line, sorry, guess my pod's defective. Luke is referencing the 1956 B-movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers in which aliens send out pods to clone human beings and create a hive mind. So that's a pretty nerdy throwback burn. That's pretty good. Lorelai and Rory are trying to get Luke's attention, but he's too distracted by bickering back and forth while Taylor keeps pulling out little pilgrims to put on the counter. Rory tries to get his attention by using the my mom's not wearing underwear trick, but it still doesn't work. Lorelai can't take it anymore. So she gets up herself and pours her and Rory some coffee and grabs a blueberry muffin. But I think it's funny because Luke at least notices she's about to use her hands and that's like the only moment when he acknowledges her. Interferes a little. But still has absolutely no care for serving her coffee at all. Luke and Taylor still going back and forth. Lorelai and Rory got what they need. They drop the cash and start to leave. Luke finally speaks up and says, what, no tip? Lorelai says, here's a tip, serve your customers. And this is one of my favorite lines in this episode. Luke follows that up with, here's another tip, don't sit on any cold benches. (laughs) Yeah, that was really good. And I love that because you've really got to be paying attention. And that's just a really good example of just the excellent writing in this show. Next scene, we see Rory hopping off her bus from Hartford. She decides to go into Dozie's to check up on her boy. Dozie's market is also filled with pumpkins and other fall accoutrements. And we see Taylor and Dean stacking up cans of cranberries to try to make it look like the Mayflower. That was pretty painful, yeah. Bonus, they're on sale for $1.29. And because Taylor is a clever, cheeky bastard, he spells it sale, S-A-I-L. That's good. I didn't (laughs) notice that. Both Taylor and Dean are wearing Harvest Festival pins. This is the first Big Stars Hollow event that we get to see in the show so far. We established two episodes ago that Rory is a typical teenage stalkery stalker. We had a whole discussion about how teenage girls love to stalk, and I pleaded the fifth on that one. Using her stalker skills, she walks around the grocery store looking at the cornstarch so she can perfectly spy on Dean. But he notices her right away because she's not very good at it. And uh, hey, that cornstarch is uh, two for three bucks, by the way. It's a great deal. Dean offers Rory a pop, which sparks a pop versus soda discussion. And here's where we're going to have a discussion, Ira. So Dean is from Chicago. Are you originally from Chicago? No, I am not. Where are you originally from? I've migrated from Georgia to Michigan and then to Portland, Oregon, and now Chicago. Well, congratulations on being from a newly blue state, by the way. Thank you. I'm pretty happy about it. I've cried. I cried that day and I've never even, I don't even know if I've been to Georgia. I was so proud. So I have heard that People from the South, I don't know if Georgia does this specifically, talking about pop or soda, they call it Coke. Is that true? Yeah, Coke or soda. 
But that's even if you like are ordering a Sprite, you're still say, do you want a Coke? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially in Atlanta and Georgia, because that's where Coke is. Oh. And there and everything. It's huge. Yeah. Okay, duh. I guess that does make sense. Well, that's funny. So I grew up in Michigan. So I'm right there with you. And I did grow up saying pop, but then I lived in Vermont for a year and they say soda there. And I picked up saying soda and I think it's because I like it better. I'm just going to say it's a superior choice. I think it is. When I moved to Michigan, I was appalled. It was very upsetting. I was like, this is not, pop is not a thing. It's soda. (laughs) Call it by its brand name. I don't care, but not pop. Well, it's soda pop. Those weird Michigander things that never sat well with. Oh, we have a lot of weird stuff. Well, I'm glad you got to experience a little bit of Michigan for a little while and uh, get mad about pop. I did. So now that you live in Chicago, do you primarily say soda or do you say Coke sometimes? I say soda, but I don't drink it. So I don't really talk about it that often. Sure. I usually call it by the name brand. Okay. Well, Dean goes over to grab her a soda, but then decides to play a game on her. And now she has to guess which hand her soda pop is in. But before she even has a real chance to guess, he leans in and kisses her. Not only is this Rory and Dean's first kiss, but this is Rory's first kiss. Now, here's another discussion I need to have with you. When I was... 16 and 15 years old when this show came out man what a dream having a nice cute tall boy with the most perfect 2000 parted down the middle hair come up to me and want to kiss me in the grocery store that would have made my entire world but now I'm 35 and it's 2020 I've gone through my own issues with men and relationships and sexual encounters both good and bad and just the way I feel about what I've learned about other women and what I've learned about history even, this really doesn't sit well with me quite the same. I just don't think anyone should try to kiss someone without their permission, ever, even if they're trying to be romantic. That scene was particularly the reason why I needed to go back and watch some of the previous episodes because if you're just watching that one episode and you have no understanding that they had any connection at all when i was watching it again i didn't remember that they'd interacted at all i just thought they were flirting in the grocery store and then he kissed her which was bad enough but at least then i could know okay they've had a handful of interactions so it wasn't a total surprise but yeah no there's no way that that would come across today and being acceptable and in a grocery store I don't know that I would have been able to do that. To me, my first kiss was as far away from anybody else in the world as possible. That's not something you wanted other people to witness. It's just something to check off the list. Like, oh, just get it over with. Yeah, my first kiss was kind of alone, but kind of not. It was kind of one of those situations where there were definitely people in the room, but it was dark and they weren't looking at us. So, But as someone who lives in a big city and has also lived in a small New England town, I can tell you that when something happens in a small New England town, every single person, including people that you've never talked to before, will know about it. That's crazy. But yeah, that's really interesting that you watched that and had that feeling because you hadn't caught up on the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Because it is weird. I keep thinking about there's that famous photo where Mm -hmm. the sailor is bending over the woman. I found out only a few years ago that those were not two people that knew each other. That was a man who ran up to her and did that to her against her will. Yeah. The fact that it's just one of those things we celebrate it, but that was literal sexual assault. Right, captured on film for everybody to look at for decades and not realize what they're seeing. 
And it's a representation of American victory and celebration. That just like goes to show you how deeply rooted using women for male gain in our country is. So I just like to throw out there to everybody who's listening, consent is sexy always. My current special friend, the first time he kissed me, he asked me and it was a huge turn on for me it's one of the reasons why i knew i liked him right away and he has always been consenting and asking how i feel if i'm okay from moment one it doesn't make it less romantic in that moment no matter what your gender is you feel respected yeah like i'm gonna ask you if i have permission to come in your space because i respect your space and your body enough to ask if i'm allowed in it that's just, that's my second rant of this episode. They're both very important rants. Consent is sexy, people. Let's hear it for consent. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> I need a Biden honk somewhere. Where's my Biden honking horns now? Rory, you know, is 16 and it's 2000. So she doesn't know any better yet. So she just says thank you and runs away again. And this is a common theme for Rory and Dean. She constantly is running away from him. And I'll say it again. Rory, please trust that instinct. Run away from Dean. But because she's so shocked and surprised, while she's running away, she accidentally takes the cornstarch that she was pretending to be interested in. And where does she run? Right over to Lane's. Because the first thing you want to do is tell your BFF when someone you think is cute kisses you. It is really cool that she runs through the town square because we get to kind of see what is happening in Stars Hollow right now. We got all the pumpkins. We got the cornstalks. We got this old timey wagon full of cool fall stuff and haystacks it's one of the reasons why i love this show it's just this perfect little world that does not exist in reality (laughs) right but we can enjoy it here that's where i also noticed that we had the same backpack you and rory i don't know you can't tell if it's a jansport mine was a jansport you can't tell from the distance but it looked pretty similar in similar colors i didn't realize how trendy i was back in the day Back in 1998, so that was two years before that show came out. Whoa, trendsetter. I would bet money that it's a Jan sport. I've talked about this before. The wardrobe in this show, I think, did a really good job because I, even now, remember several episodes in this show where I'm like, I remember that shirt because I really wanted that shirt and it's from Delia's. Wow. There's one shirt in particular that Rory wears in season two and three. And I 100% remember that from Delia's and I wanted it so bad and I never got it for Christmas. It's okay. But yeah, so she comes over and wants to tell Lane, which I totally get because the first thing I ever want to do is tell my close friends. If something happens between me and my special friends, I immediately tell my friends right away. I do that even to this day as a fully grown adult. Totally works here. And then in one of the more famous lines from the show, Rory runs into Kim's Antiques. Lane's there. And Rory says, I just got kissed. And I shoplifted. And she holds up the cornstarch. And this is a line that is one of those that really kind of stayed throughout the show. You know, people just know it. Fans of the show just know this line. Lane is very excited for Rory. She asked where it happened. Aisle three by the ant spray. Oh, that's a good aisle, which I guess. But the thing is, like, there's no ant spray in sight. There's like dog food. And I saw Jones soda, which was also a really great throwback for me. Mm -hmm. Speaking of soda versus pop, Jones soda. They had something right. And their advertising was good. Designs on the 
They were brightly colored. They had cool photos. They always had like a message inside the bottle cap. Always a nice thing to have. They knew who their market was and they knew how to market it. Well, Mrs. Kim overhears Rory talking about someone kissing her. Now, this is the scene where we can kind of realize that Mrs. Kim is not dumb. I feel like sometimes she gets casted as someone who, because she's not from this country, she doesn't get innuendo. She plays dumb a lot and lets Mm -hmm. Lane trick her. But this is a scene where we know for sure that that is a facade because later in this episode, we know that Mrs. Kim really did hear her and knows the truth. But in this moment, she's pretending to believe Lane, which we know she absolutely knows the truth. Right. And she doesn't punish Lane for it, which is surprising. So I feel like this scene gives Mrs. Kim a little bit of early credit because throughout this show, I feel like she gets played as just this out of touch tiger mom who's very, very religious But she is extremely intelligent. She knows exactly what's going on. She could be a private detective and we would never know. She knows more about what's going on than you do. (laughs) At minute 619 seconds in the background, you see a lawn jockey. And I'm pointing that out because this lawn jockey comes up in the storyline much later in season four. Rory reveals that she is afraid to tell her mom about Dean. They got in a fight about a guy before. She has a reason to be weary. Lane gives her just the confidence boost she needs, and she runs home excited to tell her mom. Until we see Lorelai laying on the floor in a hella 2000 tie-dye shirt and weird bandana. Why did we do this, people? In 1996, my high school t-shirt that we made was tie-dye. We all did it. Why is Lorelai on the floor? Well, there's something wrong with the fridge. Just ask Jerry. Yes, it does sound bad. Or as Lorelai says, it sounds like her fridge is yodeling. Lorelai is way too strung out to talk about Dean. So Rory chickens out and she just opens her book to study and do some homework. In the next scene, we see Lorelai popping over to Kim's antiques. And speaking of popping, Mrs. Kim pops up from behind her desk. Lorelai came to pick up her chair that she left six weeks ago. She remembers it smaller, but it's been six weeks, so maybe it grew. That was so good. <laughs> Mrs. Kim was so funny then. See, that's what I'm saying. Mrs. Kim is like... She was outdueling Lorelai for sure. 100%. She's smarter than Lorelai. I think so too. But also, Lorelai, if you were less busy, you could keep your daughter from running around kissing boys. She kissed a boy in the grocery store where we buy our food. Inappropriate. That's kind of what you said. Why would you kiss in the grocery store? Because literally every person is going to know that you were kissing by the food. Well, she runs out because she cannot believe what she's hearing and she still forgets her chair. Lorelai knows the truth now, but we cut over to Lane and Rory dressed up as Puritans at the Horn of Plenty can drive. I think that was really a foreshadowing for Handmaid's Tale, those little bonnets. (laughs) I didn't even think about that connection, duh. Maybe that's how she got the part. Maybe. You look good in a bonnet. Lane is harassing Rory for more details about her first kiss. And it sounds like Lane just recently got set up on a date with a super wealthy 80s style theology major who is, I think, probably way too old for her. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Who wore a members only jacket past 1992? But whatever. Lane has been getting all of the info down on Dean and she found out he likes Nick Drake, Liz Fair, and the sugar plastic. 
I don't know who the sugar plastic are. Me neither. I looked them up, but I didn't listen to them, so I couldn't even tell you because I forgot to do that until this moment. But I will say, I did like Nick Drake. I think my sisters liked Liz Fair. Liz Fair was revolutionary for many, many thousands of people. Oh, sure. But not for me because before my time, Uh I just was too young to really kind of know what it was. I mean, now I understand. When I was 15, I had no idea. Nick Drake, I did listen to. Sugar Plastic, I've never heard of. We zoom out over to Luke's. Lorelai is at a table watching Rory have this conversation with Lane, knowing that she's not sharing her secret with her. Rory does pop in for a quick break and apologizes for being late. Now, I do appreciate this because Lorelai says, save your apologies for the Indians, Missy. Thank you, Lorelai. Some awareness there. Yeah, and topical. And I appreciate a good burn with historical and social justice undertones. Yes. Lorelai is trying to casually have the kissing conversation with Rory. So she mentions they haven't talked in a while. So let's talk. Rory says, okay, did you read the article about the polar ice caps melting? Oh, poor Rory. Oh, poor little 2000 Rory. Now, 20 years later, not only are our ice caps still melting, but some of them are completely gone. Hooray. Tell ourselves. Rory tried to warn us about reading that article. In November 2000, but we didn't listen. Lorelai's not interested in the ice caps. She wants to talk about the kiss, so she throws the conversation over to something that I really appreciate. Around this time, in 2000, I was also watching General Hospital because of Jonathan Jackson, who I had a huge preteen crush on. And I've actually brought him up in this podcast before. Actually, after leaving General Hospital, was star in the movie Tuck Everlasting with Alexis Bledel. Oh, wow. So it's kind of uh, connected there. But he did play Lucky on General Hospital. He left the show to go to university. So they did replace him with another actor, Jacob Young. That looked absolutely nothing like him. When I found out Lucky was coming back, I was so excited. But then when I saw who they replaced him with, I was like, what is this garbage? And so I love the line where Lorelai says the new Lucky has way more hair gel issues. I felt that because I was so upset that why would you? I just don't understand why you would get rid of this like beautiful young actor who I had a huge celebrity crush on and replaced him with this very cheesy kind of bleh actor. I don't watch soap operas anymore. I haven't watched soap operas since, but I do know that Jonathan Jackson came back as Lucky later and then left again, I think, for good. Well, one of the best things about soap operas is is that you could not watch it for 20 years and turn it on and know what's happening. Mind-boggling how slowly those plots move and then how much they come back to where they were. This just hits me so well with who I was in the year 2000. This is actually relevant to my personal life, especially because she brought up the hair gel thing as a diss and I was just like, yes, I feel this. I just loved that moment so much. But Rory doesn't fall for it because she has absolutely no idea what she's talking about. She has to get back to her table with Lane anyway, so she bolts out of there. Luke comes over to give her the bill, mentions again that he isn't going to say that she looks concerned. And Lorelai says, well, I'm not going to mention that you look great dressed as one of those guys from the Crucible. (laughs) She's referencing the Crucible, most likely the play, but maybe the movie. The play is written by Arthur Miller. 
that was about the Salem witch trials of 1693, of course, but it was also about McCarthyism that was happening during his time of writing the play. Something that we should probably pay attention to again in 2020. That's just me. I'm not a politician. I'm not a writer, but I would recommend it. Like anytime you don't want a fascist as president, you're called a communist. Just saying. Hearing similarities. Lorelai wasn't able to get any answers from Roy herself, so she takes a note from Rory and stalks Dean in the grocery store. Apparently that's what they love to do. But she runs into Luke. She explains to Luke that Rory got her first kiss and that guy did it. Lorelai says, that Lothario over there has warmed his way into my daughter's heart and mouth, and for that he must die. The term Lothario is a name to suggest a seducer and comes from the character Lothario in The Impertinent Curious Man, which is a short story within a story of the novel Don Quixote, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Luke reminds Lorelai that he cannot bring down the bag boy because it's double coupon day and it will bring down the whole town. (laughs) So he scoots her out of the store. He's trying to talk her down and she says, are you going to quote Freud to me? Lorelai is referring to Sigmund Freud, the famous neurologist and psychoanalyst. She mentions that he kind of looks like Christopher, who's Rory's dad, which he absolutely does not. So Christopher isn't in this episode, but I'm assuming you remember what Christopher looks like. They're both tall, though. I guess that was it. (laughs) They're both white and tall. Yeah. That's it. That's enough. That's all it takes. Tall white men all look alike, so that's all we need. What's probably happening here is what happens in every episode is that Lorelai is projecting herself onto Rory, as per usual. Well, we're back over at the Gilmore Girl house. Lorelai is on the couch and gets up to look out the window. And there's a couple things I want us to pay very close attention to. Number one, I have no memory of them ever having a piano. And number two, where the piano is, there should be a second walkway to the front door. And I did double check. That is not just in my memory. That's real. So I'll have to pay attention to when that part of the scene changes. Lorelai and I have similar fall decorations. She's got some leaf garlands out. She's got some pumpkins. I have a lot more than she does because I'm really into autumnal decor. But, you know, I appreciate it. Rory comes home. There's Chinese in the fridge. So have you kissed any good boys lately? And just like you were saying, Ira, you didn't think you could keep it a secret, did you? You were making out in the market. Rory says, we weren't making out. It was just one kiss. Yeah, well, by the time that gets to Miss Patty, it's a scene from nine and a half weeks. (laughs) That was a good one. Good line. I appreciate that you knew what that was. This is one of those things that I've always heard because I've seen this episode probably a million times. Have no idea what the movie Nine and a Half Weeks was. Never heard of it. Had never heard of a reference to it. So when I looked it up, I found out what it was. Nine and a Half Weeks is a film from 1986 about two strangers that meet and have a very highly sexual love affair for nine and a half weeks. And not only is it a movie I have not seen or heard of, but it's absolutely not a movie that I would reference or bring up to my parents. Yes. I got embarrassed when I watched Titanic with my parents. Oh, wow. And that was only like 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah. I didn't watch movies like that with my parents. Well, I do want to point out something kind of interesting about this reference, though. I found out that in the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, 
they meet in a grocery store. Oh, whoa. Crazy. Right? So that's actually a pretty cleverly layered reference. That is amazing, really. <laughs> How much detail they put into all of the lines that you don't even get. And it, it's This is very educational and it gives me even more respect for the show. This is why yeah. I love this podcast because like I said, I've never I've never wanted to or like felt the need to look up nine and a half weeks before mm-hmm. and then to find out that detail, it was just like, oh my God, that's so good. That's good, yeah. Despite uh, this weird conversation about a very inappropriate film for her daughter, don't worry, Lorelai is fine. She's fine. (laughs) She's fine. Well, sometime later, we now see the Gilmer girls walking into a very decorated Dosi's Market yet again. The video store closes soon, so no impulse buying. They have to stick to the list. Rory is nervous about going into the market because Dean is there and she doesn't want to come in with her mother. But Lorelai insists because you can't watch Willy Wonka without massive amounts of junk food, which I think is fair. I remember in college, we had a movie night with just like me and some of my girlfriends and we watched Heavyweights. So we got massive amounts of junk food and just like got in pajamas ate all this stuff and watched heavyweights and it was so much fun. I actually feel this way about Gilmore Girls sometimes. I'll watch the revival on Thanksgiving. That's kind of a tradition for me now. And Mm. I'll make sure to go to the grocery store and get yummy sparkling wine and like a cupcake. And it's just watching Gilmore Girls with my coffee and my cupcake. It's like a thing when you set up your little treats for a movie. Yeah. Well, Billy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is referenced here. This is a pretty classic film based on the book by Roald Dahl about a candy factory in which four contestants come to see it. But Lorelai is trying to calm Rory down that it's not going to be that big a deal, even if Dean is in there. Lorelai says she will be so cool in there, you will mistake me for Shaft. (laughs) Shaft is the name of a fictional character who is a private detective in New York City. First appeared in a novel by Ernest Heidman, and then a year later in the film adaptation in 1971. Shaft is known for being very cool and elegant. Among other things, this is the second time in which one of the Gilmore Girls is compared to a famous black man. You know, it's just one of those things I think about now. We should also say about Chef, though, that it has one of the best soundtracks of all time by Isaac Hayes. Give him some props here. Rory has a few conditions before coming into the store. She says no kissing noises, no stories from my childhood, no referring to Chicago as Chai Town. And let me just say, as a resident of Chicago, please don't call it Chai Town. (laughs) Uh, My brother just did that yesterday. I couldn't bring myself to correct him. Well, she also says no James Dean jokes, no father with a shotgun stares, and no Nancy Walker impressions which was random. I don't know why Nancy Walker in particular. But James Dean was a popular American actor from the 30s to the 50s. As seen as like the epitome of 50s cool, James also famously died young during a car race. He's an extremely famous Dean. I can see where that would come from. But Nancy Walker was an actress and comedian. You may know her like me as Ida Morgenstern from the classic sitcom Rhoda, which I 
used to watch all the time. Whoa. But also random, like, I don't know, is Lorelai just really good at doing Nancy Walker impressions? What does that have to do with Dean? I don't know. Yeah, that one was over my head completely. So they agree to be cool and to walk in to get snacks. Okay, so I brought some of my favorite movie snacks. Do you have any snacks with you today that you've been munching on during this episode? I do. I have a chocolate chip cookie sandwich, which is two cookies and then frosting in between. I feel as if almost 43 years old. I'm too old to like frosting as much as I do, but I love frosting. I'm with you. Okay. A good frosting can make or break a lot of things. I'm lucky because Anita likes the cake part, so she'll mostly eat the cake and leave me frosting. I try not to do it in public, but last night I actually did do it in public. That's perfect, though. That's so cute. It's kind of like the olive theory from How I Met Your Mother. You guys balance each other out. Yes. One thing I did like was that they were picking up red vines, which is another favorite of mine, and not Twizzlers, which I think are not superior. I'm afraid I can't agree. I definitely prefer Twizzlers. You've never taken a red vine, and you're supposed to drink your Dr. Pepper through a red vine straw. You can do that with Twizzlers, too. No, they they don't have the same hole. Red vines are a little more open. And the Twizzlers are more tightly wound. I would agree the Red Vines are definitely more open. But 100% growing up, I drank my Sprite through Twizzlers. And I drank Sprite through Twizzlers. Because there's something about like that. The Twizzlers were like, you know, kind of cherry or whatever kind of artificial fruit flavor it was supposed to be. Right. That works really good with like a lime flavor like Sprite. That makes sense. I'll eat red vines when they're there. But if you're saying, here's some red vines or Twizzlers, take your pick. I'm going to pick Twizzlers. People feel very strongly on the subject one way or the other. It's kind of amazing. I didn't even have a red vine until I moved to Portland, Oregon. I was 22. They called it the plaid pantry, but everybody called it plaid panties. Things in Portland that was open 24 hours. And I saw these red vines. I had to try them. This was what Twizzlers should have been the whole time. (laughs) I was a complete convert instantly. Have you tried the strawberry flavor Twizzlers? Maybe you'd like that better. Because I don't like the strawberry Twizzlers at all. I definitely prefer the cherry. Well, hey, it takes all kinds to make a world, as they say. Very true. Very true. What are you eating? Well, my snacks, I went to Trader Joe's today. And so I picked up these gummy tummies. They're penguin gummies. Oh, those are adorable. I love gummies. They're my favorite. If I had to pick... Like a favorite bag of candy, mm-hmm. I would say the Haribo Star Mix. Because not only does that include the sour worms, but it also has the cherries and the cola gummies. Oh, okay. See, I was a little more of a Swedish fish person, but they put mineral oil in Swedish fish, which I just think you're not, you shouldn't eat that. It's like a petroleum byproduct. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I had no idea. But that does not surprise me because I feel the same way about Swedish fish that I do about red vines. I think they have the same texture and flavor profile. Yeah, there is a similarity there for sure. Now things are starting to become clear. Yes. I'm starting to figure you out, Ira. Is this the same kind of thing that you normally have when you would go to like the movies? Like, what do you get when you're at the movie theater? Mm, Probably get peanut M&Ms. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, maybe popcorn, but then I have to have soda because you need soda and popcorn together. Otherwise, you're coughing on the (laughs) Well, all the theaters here in Chicago that I go to, at least, have alcohol. So I always get popcorn with real butter. Excellent. And a beer. That's good. It's the perfect movie theater Uh combination. 
I don't really get candy when I'm at the theater. Yeah, because you popcorn like that, you can't really make it home unless you have one of those big contraptions. Yeah, it's not the same. It's it's very special. So that's an, an hour about snacks. But I'm definitely with Lorelai on this. If I was doing like a Willy Wonka movie night at home, I would absolutely be getting Kit Kats, chocolate truffles, or I would get Wonka candy because they sell that in store. Right. Like Nerds Rope. I think that's a Wonka candy, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Oh, Nerds Rope is the shit. I love that. Well, what do Lorelai and Rory get at Dosies? Well, this is what they get. Marshmallows, jelly beans, chocolate kisses, a jar of peanut butter, the cookie dough they have at home. And then Lorelai asks about the thing where it's a sugar stick and you dip it in the sugar. She's, of course, referring to Fun Dip. And when I was a kid, that was the shit. Uh-huh. Why they thought it was okay to give that to children is beyond me. I don't know. I think it would have been healthier to just give your child a bag of sugar. Yeah, probably would have, yeah. Because it wouldn't have all the additives. Exactly. But you wouldn't get that dipping experience. No, you wouldn't. But that's the thing is I even loved the stick. Like the chicken nuggets of dessert. <laughs> well, they go to check out and Dean is there. How many hours does this high school kid work at this grocery store? It's available at this point, unless he got a waiver or something. Lorelai is trying to support Rory by saying he has nice eyes, but then as true Lorelai form, she goes step too far and talks about him turning around, alluding to checking out his butt. I get that it's girl talk. I get that this is a mom and daughter talk, but again, he's a child. You're an adult woman. And this is your daughter. Doesn't sit right with me. And the thing is, is that this is something that happens throughout this show. Is older women alluding to the sexual attraction of underage men. Yeah, you're right. It is one of the most common themes of the show. Yeah. This is a small town, so everyone knows everyone, even though we never see this cashier again. And I say cashier because... That is how this actress is credited in this episode as Cashier. Cashier is played by actress Sonia Eddy. Sonia has had reoccurring roles as Deb in Fresh Off the Boat. And topical for this episode, she's been on General Hospital for several years, including the years that Jonathan Jackson was on. Wow. Full circle. Crazier and crazier. Either way, the cashier knows the Gilmore Girls and can tell that they're about to have one of their famous movie nights. Tonight's is Willy Wonka. Which one is that one? Is it the one with Gene Hackman? Dean corrects her and says it's Gene Wilder. Now, Gene Hackman and Gene Wilder could not be more different. (laughs) Gene Wilder is known for his wacky roles and films, especially with Mel Brooks, such as Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. Whereas Gene Hackman is known for more serious and dramatic roles such as the French Connection and Mississippi Burning or in the role that I always think of him in as Royal Tenenbaum from the Royal Tenenbaums. Was he in Hoosiers too? I couldn't tell you because I saw that movie 25 years ago but this is fun. Hackman and Wilder were both in Young Frankenstein, and Bonnie and Clyde. Whoa. I thought it was really interesting that Gene Hackman was in Young Frankenstein. What did he play in the movie? Blind Man. Oh. Well, we find out Dean is a Wonka fan, and also it costs $41.83 to slowly rot your insides, in case you're wondering. One thing I do love, though, and it's a line that could be inappropriate, but I still kind of love it, 
is when Lorelai says, chill out, supermarket slut. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about that? Because I kind of love it, even though I, I understand why people would not like it. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny, even though I don't use that word in my everyday life. But As you shouldn't. And we shouldn't, but yeah. It was one of the things you laugh at where you feel bad for laughing at it. I think it's funny, and I think we enjoy it because it is between a mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. And in this very particular situation, it is a joke that is trying to disarm her awkwardness. Right, right. And I also will say, as a cis woman, it's a thing just like bitch, slut and bitch are two words that I have opinions about because they're words that have been used against me as a cis woman. Mm -hmm. And so that I now use so that I have power over them and I have control over them now. So when I see two women who are making a joke about it to encourage and support each other, Mm -hmm. I think that's why I feel better about it. It's because our sexuality is in constant regulation words are important and it's a way that we can can take control over the words that have in the past tried to hold power over us and instead we're holding power over the word if you were to see me out in the wild and say hey supermarket slut i don't think i would like that as much (laughs) i'm sure you wouldn't but just as an example Well, the video store is only open for 10 more minutes, but Lorelai has to get coffee right now. Rory runs to pick up the tape, and yes, I said tape. That's right, boys and girls. Well, just then, Dean runs out because they forgot the red vines. Lorelai, though, she wants to pull for her daughter. She invites Dean over to join the movie night. It does not go over well with Rory at first. But I agree with Lorelai's decision. And this is something that a lot of people will fight about this. A lot of people don't like the revival because they didn't like how Rory turned out, etc, etc. But I think that Rory was always this way. Rory is very meek. That's not a bad thing. It's just who she is. She's Mm -hmm. not adventurous. She's very cautious. She's very analytical. So she's not going to do something like that because she wants to make a list. She wants to think about it. Does not put herself out there. She doesn't. That's not who she is. Lorelai knows that about her daughter and she knows that if she didn't push her a little bit probably nothing would ever happen and then she would live this life of regret she's not like you know pushing her daughter out into the deep end she's doing it with her support by her side she'll be there to kind of help her guide her etc yeah I think I interpreted that as partially trying to help the situation and partially trying to keep her eye on this kid who she doesn't trust keep him close I don't think you're wrong She did already threaten to kill him. Wasn't my first thought in this moment, but it's very likely because we've already seen that from her and especially what happens later kind of makes sense. Well, the Gilmore girls are now back at home and Rory is stressing out over the perfect movie night hangout outfit, which I definitely understand. I don't know how you feel about clothing, Ira, but this scene made me really miss picking out outfits to go outside. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I do want to take a moment because we've been in Rory's room a couple times, but not really looking around. I just kind of want to point out some cool little details that I noticed in the back around her room just to get a feeling of who Rory is as a teenager and what's happening in her environment. In Rory's room is several world maps. Several. She has at least four in my eyeline. She has a wooden or plastic 2D vase with flowers. 
I see the TV that we saw in the kitchen in episode five, and I brought that up in that episode, so that's kind of fun to see where that TV came from, because we never see it in the kitchen again. It's in Rory's room. On Rory's shelf is a Nutcracker and a Russian Matryoshka doll. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's the wooden doll where you open it up and there's a doll inside, and then you open it up and there's another doll inside. Various other knickknacks and tchotchkes. On the wall is a cow along with a poster for South America. Oh, there's some weird masks, and I don't know if Rory made these. Did she pick them up from somewhere? Are they supposed to be from a different country? Because that seems to kind of be the theme of her room is all these different places around the world. There's a poster for Thailand. There's a poster for Hawaii, for Peru. There's an Arc de Triomphe. But one thing I noticed is that there is not a poster for Fez or Morocco, which is the only country Rory has mentioned she's been dying to go to. Does she have any Harvard stuff in her room? No, not that I saw. That's a really good point. I'm going to look out for that. Lorelai leaves Rory with some, I think, pretty good advice. Leave your hair down and your attitude high. Uh But to that, Rory responds, you're like a crazy Elsa Clench. Elsa Clench was a popular fashion journalist. Uh, I think she's originally from Australia, but she did have kind of like a fashion update show on CNN. Again, weird reference. I feel like a normal reference like that would be like, wow, you're like a modern day Coco Chanel mm-hmm. or Anna Winter. Right. Why Elsa Clench? Well, the Gilmore girls are ready for Dean now. On the table, we have a banquet of marshmallows. Jelly beans, peanut butter, red vines, all that they got at the store, plus the cookie dough and tortilla chips, potato chips, and what looks like caramel corn, end of the table, what looks like nacho cheese dip. There's also a bowl of chocolate chips, Cheetos, and what looks like Skittles and lots of candles to set the mood. This is on top of the fact that they've ordered pizza. (laughs) Apparently, Dean is late. Lorelai says, Calm down, Miss German Train. She's referencing stereotypical punctuality among Germans. Uh And specifically German transportation. Lorelai looks out the window just to see, and there is Dean being shanghaied by Babette Dell, their next door neighbor. Now, as the camera moves outside, we hear the conversation between Babette and Maury, not so much Dean, because he doesn't really have a chance to talk. And I want to talk about this conversation real quick, because this was a really cool thing that I looked up. Again, one of those things that I've never really paid attention to. It's so quick. It's not even happening kind of within the plot. It's outside the plot. So, you know, in the past, I've always just kind of walked right past this reference. Mm -hmm. Babette is asking Dean, or rather telling, all about Mr. Kelly's, which was a famous nightclub in Chicago. Oh, okay. And it makes sense because everybody will have known that Dean was Chicago. Again, this is a small town. Everybody knows everything. Maury, her husband, is a jazz musician, so it's probably one of the things that they know about Chicago. Why they wouldn't think about all the other amazing jazz clubs that are actually still around I don't know. Chicago has a very rich history of blues and jazz. It's a lot of it began here. But Mr. Kelly's is what she is talking about this moment. So I'm going to talk about Mr. Kelly's real quick, just so we understand that reference, because this was really cool when I looked it up. Mr. Kelly's was very famous and popular because it had the early starts of people such as Barbara Streisand, what? Lenny Bruce, and Whoa. Eartha Kitt. What? Yes. 
That's amazing. I know. And the sad part is, is that they tore it down in 1975. Do you want to know where it was? And this is going to break your heart even more because of what sits there now. So especially for other Chicagoans out there or people who know this area, Mr. Kelly's used to sit on the corner of Rush and Bellevue. So when you think about where Rush Street goes into where Gibson's and Nico Asteria is uh-huh. in that little center where all that shopping is, uh-huh. that's where it was. Now sitting there is Gibson's and Urban Outfitters and Barney's. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? And I had no idea. History, man. They took it away from us. That's extra funny on behalf of Babette because Mr. Kelly's was torn down in 1975. And if Dean is 16 in this episode, that means he was born in either 1984 or 1983, depending on how old he's supposed to be. I'm assuming 1984, which means he wasn't alive, let alone going to Mr. Kelly's. Yeah. And, you know, in this scene... I get it, Dean. You're 16. I'm not going to hold that against him. But I feel like he's being really rude and kind of mean in this. Yeah, more of a jerk. Do I approve of Babette doing this to you? No. She's an adult woman. She should know how to control herself. But he's not even like trying or being nice to her. If he's really from Chicago, that means he would have been brought up with the Midwest nice. No offense to New Englanders, but New Englanders are not like that. I mean, Chicagoans have their own specific gruffness, and so I totally get that. But 100% still that Midwest nice. It doesn't really make sense that he would be so mean like that. But again, he is a silly, dumb high school boy. So despite him being rude or not, Babette likes him. She says he has a Chuck Heston chin. And of course, she's referencing the famous actor Charlton Heston. I looked at a picture of Charlton Heston just to kind of see. I actually agree with her. This is a lot better reference than the Christopher comparison because they both have kind of like these protruding chins. This is another moment just in this episode, let alone this show, where an older woman is talking about the attraction of an underage male. Dean is 16. Babette is, I don't know how old she is, but she's not 16. No, she's not 16. And this isn't even going to be the last time that they reference Babette hitting on Dean specifically in this show. Lorelai comes and saves Dean and they use the living room side door again, which I was excited to see. This is a thing that I've been talking about. They have this side door in the living room that I've never noticed or paid attention to before, but it's always there. It's always been there and it's even there in the revival. Lorelai goes right into telling Dean an embarrassing story about Rory, about cheering up a weeping willow. Oh, so sweet. It was so cute. But realizing what she's doing, she veers into giving Dean a tour. During the tour, she mentions that the upstairs has her bedroom and the good bathroom. Now, we never see the downstairs bathroom. And it's only referenced a couple of times in the show. And it's kind of like a thing among the Gilmore Girls community. Like, where is the mysterious downstairs bathroom? Because we never see it. But I love that this is kind of the first reference to there is a second bathroom in this house somewhere she takes them into the kitchen the microwave is for popcorn the stove is for storing shoes dean says wow your mom has a lot of energy rory says well she's 90 percent water and 10 percent caffeine i'm actually surprised that that line isn't taken from the show more often although i think she's more 90 percent coffee 10 percent water rory isn't that witty the witty people in this episode are lorelei and mrs kim for sure yeah. 
Dean wants to see Rory's room so we get to see a few more details. But he does see that Rory has a Nick Drake CD by her CD player, which I wonder, did she pick that up because she heard Dean like it? Did she already like Nick Drake? As a former teenage girl, I can guess which one. (laughs) Yeah. But Dean says, doesn't it suck that they used Pink Moon in a Volkswagen commercial? And I hate that line because... I remember that commercial. Oh, I mean, Volkswagen has kind of a cachet for being more youthful and hippie and all that stuff, doesn't it? Very good point. I loved that song in that commercial. And it's the reason why I downloaded that song from Napster. Yeah, I said it. You still go to jail for that. They'll never find me. One other important thing that we do see in Rory's room is this is the moment where Dean picks up Colonel Clucker. Oh, right. And that's important because that comes up later in a couple episodes in the future. Suki has come over because she just wanted to drop off some dessert. This is horrible. Oh, Suki, I love you, but don't do this. Let them breathe. I'm glad that you feel that way too, because this is the moment where I realize something. I think it makes a lot of sense that Lorelai and Suki are best friends. Both of them have a huge issue with boundaries. Yes. And we've seen this over and over again from both of these characters in all of the first episodes so far. Saved by the bell, Joe is there with their pizza. This is also the first time we meet the character Joe. And Joe is a recurring character throughout Gilmore Girls, even though he's way in the background. I think he's only in like 10 episodes. And he's not even credited as Joe in this episode. I looked this up. Sometimes he is credited as Joe, but sometimes it's just a random person. Like in this episode, he's credited as Pizza Guy. Sometimes he's credited as Guy Who Yells. But Joe is played by actor Brian Burke. And this is really the only thing he's ever done. I think he's a really fun side character. He has some pretty good lines in some later episodes. Carrying on, they're finally watching Willy Wonka. And they're all sitting on the floor, not on the couch. Right. Not near the table of treats. And they're only eating the pizza. I mean, I could understand if Lorelai took the couch and made the kids sit on the floor, or if she let Rory and Dean have the couch, then she would sit on the floor. But I don't understand why they're all on the floor. And why the candy's so far away. Yeah. To grab your treats while you're watching the movie. And there's a candle there, which means if they did try to reach, they'd set their sleeves on fire. I'm just saying. Yeah, but then it's so uncomfortable because you're on the couch next to the person and you're young and how close do you sit and how, you know, are you going to be touching at all? And it just seems very nerve wracking to have to navigate all those things in front of your mother. True. (laughs) You want to, you know, you can sit the very far, it just, yeah, maybe it's better there on the floor. Too many logistics. I, okay, I I can see it now. Now that we've talked it through though. I wonder if this is what it was like in the writer's room that day. They're watching Willy Wonka and they're sharing secrets. Lorelai has a thing for the Oompa Loompas. Rory has a thing for Prince Charming, but not the one from Cinderella, the one from Sleeping Beauty, which I love because that was my favorite movie as a kid. It was one of the few Disney movies that they didn't remake. Well, thank goodness, because they have no need to ruin that one. And also looking back on it, because it's one of those Disney films that were animated with painted tiles. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I'm also, again, I'm an illustrator. I went to film school. I recognize that I probably think about these things. But I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it, just because visually it was so different and special. 
And also, his name is not Prince Charming. That's Prince Philip. But in this moment, Dean is like, oh, yeah, because he knew how to dance, right? That's not why I liked it. But if that's why Rory liked it, sure. And he references that he has sisters, plural, which is never referenced again. In the future, we meet one sister of Dean's, his little sister, Clara, and she's much younger than him. Yes. We never hear of another sister. Is this a older sister who's out of the picture? Is this a twin of Clara's that maybe he like consumed in the womb? There you go. We have to theorize because we don't have the answers. Well, they try to ask Dean what his secrets are, but he says he doesn't have any. So Lorelai and Rory decide to make up their own possibilities for him. I like it because... You see Rory getting more comfortable and brave. She deserves it because he's just a pompous brat, really. Thank you. I think so, too. (sighs) Rory says, I bet I know one. The theme from Ice Castles makes you cry. Yes. Ice Castles was a film from 1978 about a young figure skater who loses her eyesight. And the theme that she's referring to is the song Through the Eyes of Love by Melissa Manchester. It's a classic song. I had to look all this up. I did not know any of this. When I heard this reference, I always thought it must have been some kind of TV show. I thought it was some silly ice show. Mm-mm. I mean, it could be. I'm just here for the facts, mister. You know, I didn't look up the sugar plastic, but I did look up Melissa Manchester and the theme from Ice Castle. So I at least have now heard it. And for me, as not realizing that it was from a movie, I, like I said, I thought it was from some ice skating show. It still worked. In my ignorance, I still could picture some cheesy song associated with ice skating. It's pretty funny. Well, Lorelai's suggestion is that Dean wanted Robert Redford to dump his family for Barbara Streisand at the end of The Way We Were. The Way We Were is a 1973 romantic drama, and actually, the Gilmore Girls, they describe it the best. They say, heartache, laughter, communism, all in one neat package. And I know I mentioned this before, we love popcorn snacks, but they go and suggest putting spray cheese on the popcorn, which I feel like is a crime. Yes. I mean, were people still eating that in 2000? I thought that was like a 1980s snack or something. Oh, no. They were definitely still eating it because I remember it being at like Thanksgiving and yeah, you put it on crackers. All I knew of cheese until I was about 12 was the spray cheese and the crab singles. And I thought cheese was the worst thing in the world. Because of those two products. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. My parents didn't have taste buds that were very refined, I think is great <laughs> to say. Dean wonders if he can suggest a movie sometime like Boogie Nights, which, okay, let's talk about this. Mm-mm. Dean, again, reminder, everybody, Dean is 16 years old. Boogie Nights, which came out in 1997, which means he was 13. So what are you telling me? Are you telling me that Dean saw Boogie Nights at 13? Or did he just discover it because he's 16 and his parents said he could watch it now and now he's like really into it? Either way, Boogie Nights, I've never seen Boogie Nights because again, I was 13 when that movie came out. It was it wasn't something I was into uh, when I was 13. I was into Titanic when I was 13. OK, you know, like anything with Leonardo DiCaprio. I was into that. Anything outside of that, the Spice Girls movie came out, I think a couple years before that. I was into that, okay? Not Mark Wahlberg, who he called Marky Mark. Right. That's who he was back then. He was. 
I always think about that when I watch Clueless, too, because in Clueless, they also call him Marky Mark. Younger people might not know or maybe they forget that Mark Wahlberg was actually a musical artist before he became a super popular actor, and he was known as Marky Mark. And so I always love it when I watch older things that refer to Mark Wahlberg as Marky Mark. It's like I forget that that happened. They almost seem like two different people, really. You wouldn't want to watch that movie with Lorelai. There's no way. Is he just like saying it to flirt with Rory? I don't... No, I think that... And here's a reminder, again, to any high schoolers listening out there, to any men listening out there, this is not a personal attack, but y'all dumb. High schoolers, (laughs) dumb. High school boys, dumb. I 100% believe that Dean Forrester, age 16, watched Boogie Nights and thinks it's a great film because he don't. Despite the fact that it is literally about Mark Wahlberg playing a porn star, it's a super weird suggestion, but believable. Ugh, such a punk. I wonder if that's like, was supposed to be part of his persona? No. Like a big city Chicago kid? He's going to like something bad and dirty like Boogie Nights? The first time I watched the show, I didn't think he was such a jerk, but watching it the second time, that's popped out the most to me. 2014 was a different time. It is true, and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, but we've gone through a lot. And I also agree with what you said about specifically just watching it with Rory and Lorelai. I mean, you barely know Rory, and you just met her mom. This is not that movie. Uh Despite that, it's not... The part that Rory thinks is the bad part, (laughs) it's because Lorelai doesn't like Paul Thomas Anderson because of Magnolia. Magnolia came out after Boogie Nights. Yeah. I do agree with Lorelai about something, and that is that I do not like Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. And again, former film student, these are not the opinions I'm supposed to quote unquote have. Yeah. But also when I watch a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I actually, it, it's almost like PTSD. I'm thrown back into when I was in film school, when I was the only female human person in those classes. Oh, wow. And the shit that I had to hear from these men mm-hmm. remind me of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Oh. So... Maybe that's why I don't care. I I agree with Lorelai. I don't I don't like his films. They're sitting there and they're chatting and things are going well. Actually, they're going too well. Rory freaks out. And I get that because it's new. She's new to this. She's never liked a boy before. She's never done this with a boy. Or she's never done this with someone she likes. I get it. I totally was there. I would have had no idea what to do. And she specifically says, and he smells really good because that was so a thing. Lorelai promises to come back and give her moral support, but just to make things not look weird, Lorelai goes in first while Rory goes to wash her face, and she turns the corner around the kitchen, implying that is where the mysterious second bathroom is. We still don't see it, but we know it's there. Lorelai comes in and she sits down with Dean and the popcorn, which thankfully I don't think has any cheese whiz on it. A scene where... I still don't know how I feel about this scene. Lorelai really starts digging into Dean here. And I don't like Dean. I agree with you. He's a snobby little brat. But is she being inappropriate here? Or is she just actually being a mom? 
She is a young mom. The whole thing in this show is that Laura, like, doesn't usually know when to be the mom and when to be the teenager. Is she doing this right? Is she doing the best she can? This is the first boy that's coming to Rory's life. It's very uncomfortable. I also can't decide whether Dean, his response, or him trying to be playful and then realizing this isn't a moment to be playful or if he really is this big of a brat. Yeah. At the end, is that Dean being a brat or is that Dean just sticking up for himself? I bring it up because I genuinely don't know how I feel. I haven't decided how I feel about this scene. Yeah, it was a pretty potent scene. I don't know what Dean knows about Lorelai or how old she is. You know, obviously she's not the oldest mother. But from the outside perspective, if I had a kid and I had had a child very young and my daughter was the same age or my son, I can imagine this would be the one place where I would be so extra vigilant because I did not want them to make the same choice I did, have those hardships. Oh, very good point. That actually puts that into perspective for me. Hearing that feedback in this scene is a reminder, well, of course. I mean, I can't relate. I don't have a child. I didn't get pregnant at 16. Neither did my mother. So it's hard to relate to. I mean, my mom's mom did get pregnant with my mom when she was out of wedlock in the 40s. Got married to the father and had to, you know, live with him and do the whole thing. And she was very adamant of, you do not want to get stuck. You don't want to get caught. You know, so I can imagine that feeling, that protectiveness. I have a hard time believing that he really knows all those things already, that they're best friends and stuff like that. I mean, obviously they're close, but how much insight does he really have into their life after seeing them for such a short period of time? I mean, it's possible there have been hangouts off screen. Mm -hmm. We do know that this is close to Thanksgiving, and the last episode was Rory's birthday. So we know that was October 9th because it was the day after her birthday. So between October 9th and close to Thanksgiving... There's a minimum of a month in between. We've got to assume there were a couple hangouts. I just think, wouldn't you be a little more submissive in that moment to somebody's mother? That's why it bothers me. Yeah. And she is doing the dad with a shotgun stare, which Rory specifically asked her not to do. He doesn't seem to be respecting her as an older person. He's like he's talking to her as a peer, which Lorelai probably likes. I'm still, I'm not going to set how I feel about it one way or another. But what I will say is that Lorelai very specifically says she's not going on your motorcycle. And Dean says, I don't have a motorcycle. Well, yes, you do, Dean. And I don't know if this is a chicken or the egg situation. Later in this season, he suddenly has a motorcycle. Right, but doesn't she repeat it and then he just says, okay? Yes. And I couldn't tell there, I'm like, are you admitting you have one? Or are you trying to get out of this conversation by just agreeing? I've always interpreted as he's just agreeing because he knows he has to say yes to whatever Lorelai says. And it almost kind of sounds like an allusion to something else. I'm going to try not to think of it that way because he is 16. I wonder if Lorelai put the idea in his head to get a motorcycle. Right. So it's really Lorelai's fault. Or he was just lying. Well, the movie night is over and Dean and Rory have some alone time on the porch. I think that scene is so perfect. New England, small town, country porch romantic. And not only that, they get to have their second kiss, which goes much better. And I will say I do appreciate this where Dean says, thank you. It's a way to show Rory 
I like you and I think what you do and say is cute. We're equals. We're on the same level. It's a moment of I accept you. So I do appreciate that. Good job, Dean. You did one thing right in the past seven episodes. He gets one star. Rory runs upstairs to see her mom. They're clearly suffering from way too much candy and junk food overload. And of course, here is a scene. And I know we just got done talking about this, but it's the flavor of this show, man. Is Lorelai being a good mom or is she being too far over the line into friend? Is she being too regressing into a teenager mode or is she just trying to relate to her teenage daughter? I can understand she wants to know more about her daughter's life. And I did not have that growing up. And I kind of like that now that I'm an adult. Like, just let me live my life. But growing up, I think I would have liked a little bit more attention. So part of me gets it. And a part of me kind of wishes that that was the way it was. But especially because now I'm in my 30s and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, is this right? I don't know. And I didn't have that. So who am I to say that this isn't normal? When she specifically says, tell me everything and if you leave out anything, you'll die, is such a teenage friend thing to say. Mm-hmm. Not a mom way to put it, you know? Right. Well, the openness there, just talking about kissing with your mom, just, I, I didn't have that relationship with my parents either. So it's very strange. I can't imagine dishing like that. They don't know about anybody that I date ever, mm-hmm. long term or short term. It's just never been a part of our relationship but a part of me wishes i tell them who my first kiss was you know because they don't know i guess we'll just have to leave that there and analyze lorelei and rory another day they've given us much to consider over the years we go past the lace curtains leave them to chat and the episode is over what an enigma of an episode you know this episode has a lot of consent issues This episode has a lot of relationship issues. How'd you feel about it? It was simpler the first time I watched it. This time, I agree with you. There were major consent issues. Time has not been kind to Dean. Oh, Dean. Dean Forster. Oh, Dean. Do-do-do-do! It's time for the Arts and Entertainment Shelf. This is the segment where we talk about the music, books, movies, and TV referenced in each episode. First in this episode, music. One of the first things we hear in this episode is Vivaldi's Autumn Concerto Number 3. Are you familiar with Vivaldi? I know we talked about that a little bit. You played clarinet. I got to play trumpet and French horn in band, so we played this song, I remember. We weren't that good, so we did not play this song. I have this on CD somewhere in my old CD collection that I don't listen to anymore because my band teacher gave me this because I liked the Vivaldi that we played so much. So I actually appreciate this reference a lot. Other music referenced in this episode was Liz Fair, Nick Drake, and the Sugar Plastic. And of course, the theme from Ice Castles, which was Through the Eyes of Love by Melissa Manchester. Besides Liz Fair, I don't know any of them. The pink moon is on his way. No. Yeah, I was listening, I think, to Sarah McLachlan and Tori Amos. And I think that fits more along the lines of Liz Fair. It does, but Liz Fair just kind of didn't show up on my radar ever. The books mentioned in this episode, you know, believe it or not, there is only one 
And that is The Crucible. And even that can be argued. Was she referencing the book or was she referencing the movie? Yeah. But again, The Crucible was written by Arthur Miller. It came out during some troubled times in the United States. Glad that's over with. Not directly mentioned, but I brought this up because it was very distantly referenced. We talked about the origins of the word Lothario, which came from story within a story from the novel Don Quixote written by Miguel de Cervantes. I'm going to move over to television. And the only TV referenced was General Hospital. Of course, we already went into that. I went on my Lucky and Jonathan Jackson spiel. So then last but not least, movies. The movies referenced in this episode are Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Ice Castles, The Way We Were, Nine and a Half Weeks, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia. Possibly The Crucible. Again, book or movie. So I know we've talked a little bit about these movies, and we didn't really talk about Willy Wonka that much, even though it was a big part of this episode. I didn't even, like, ask you how you felt about that movie. That movie was very pivotal for me. Pivotal? Yes, because I was a a brat growing up. And so was it Violet? Was that her name? The bratty girl? Both of the girls were brat, but I'm assuming you're talking about Veruca Salt. Yeah. And so I love blueberries, too. So when she eats the gum, is it, and turns into a blueberry? Oh, that was Violet Beauregard. I was very scared that that would happen to me. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm bratty like her. I like blueberries. I don't want to listen to adults. This might be in my future. I mean, I feel like that movie did its purpose. It did. It chipped me up a little bit. I've always wanted to go into the nerve center. That's like a dream. I'd love to go to the nerve center and just like eat cream out of a candy mushroom. That's my dream. Okay. Talk about frosting. That's what I want to do. I actually read the books as a kid. I think it gets a little darker if I remember correctly. That movie is dark. That movie is a horror film for children. All these children die in this (laughs) Did you see the remade movie version? Unfortunately, I did. Oh, wow. Have you never seen it? No. Just stay far away from it. Just watch The Way We Were. (laughs) The only other movie on this list I've seen is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And actually, I watched that one in film school. That sounds like a film school movie. Yeah. We watched it because it's like an example of the first of its kind. But none of the other ones. Have you seen any of these? Boogie Nights and I saw Magnolias and Magnolias was very long. Yeah, you said Uh, Tom Cruise was pretty good in that one, though. Yeah. Looking back, I might watch it now in 2020 and think it was just that I was impressed that they had a white man who cried than just anger, which he also shows. Um, And then Boogie Nights, I have vague memories of it, of scenes, but I don't really remember. I mean, it's just kind of like a tortured movies. Tortured men movies. Have you ever seen The Way We Were? No, but I am a big fan of Babs. All right. That's why you were so excited about Mr. Kelly's. Well, what about The Crucible? Have you ever read or seen The Crucible? I don't think so. No. That's one I would recommend. I'm not saying it's like the best film of all time. We had to read that play in high school. The movie has Winona Ryder and she is batshit bananas and everyone is an asshole. Have you heard the recent studies of what they think actually happened in Salem? No. So there's two theories about what happened. One theory is that they think that something got into the water that made them hallucinate. And it was something like poisoning. 
both things made people have the effects of like being on LSD. Because the second theory is that they used to make this very certain type of bread and it had this very certain type of grain and yeast that when it fermented or when it molded, it created this new bacteria that was very similar to like taking mushrooms. It's like psychedelic and it didn't kill them or like make them super sick, but it made them hallucinate. They found that that happened in that area during that time. So they think that what happened is that all these people were like, literally hallucinating so they thought everyone was being controlled by the devil oh my gosh <laughs> i've done mushrooms before i remember looking in the mirror and thinking i was the devil so i can see it happening wow that is exactly why i don't is because mm-hmm. i know that would happen to me anybody out there who has not read the crucible i highly recommend it it's still sadly quite relatable to current times for different reasons but also same reasons also look up the mccarthyism of the united states it was a pretty unfortunate time in our history it's the reason why a lot of japanese citizens were put in american internment camps it's a very very sad part of our american history that i think gets swept aside a lot So everyone, go out there and read some of these books, watch some of these movies, maybe not Boogie Nights or Nine and a Half Weeks, but no judgment. I think that that's it for our arts and entertainment shelf. And so that's it for our episode. Ira, no, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and spending your afternoon with me on my podcast. This was great. It was enjoyable to talk about the show and think about it from all these different angles. And it was great to have your perspective on it as well. If you want to hear more from Ira, definitely go to his website, irafeinstein.com, to learn about his books and a little bit more about what he's doing. He's super cool. Great guest. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for joining us today. And we'll see you next time for Episode 8, Love and War and Snow. Bye, everybody. Has been Welcome to Stars Hollow the podcast. For more episodes, make sure to subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For extra fun, find us on Instagram at, at Stars Hollow Pod. Dago is the shit, but not as good as Verner's. Verner's is like more important to us than anything else, I think. Oh, there goes my pile of LaCroix cans.